Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. I'm Sebastian Zupanek from Armadura Metal Roof. The steel roof that's as beautiful as it is long-lasting. Hit the brakes there, C-Vance. Rather not, actually. I'm Bill Crooked from Crooked Roofing. You don't say. Asphalt Roof has all the beauty you need. Really? Cheapest roof in the business, and it comes in a variety of colors. Like? You got your brown, your off-brown, and this year's trendiest color, ultra-brown. Sounds exciting. Kind of like beige, only browner. Armadura helps you dramatically improve your home's appearance with distinct colors and textures. Getting fancy there, Seabass. Don't call me Seabass. Keep it on the down low. Fly under the radar. Not our style. But if you stand out, people might notice that roofers are all... What? Like you? Crooked? That's me, Bill Crooked. Pleased to meet you. You're one of a million. Armadura.ca. Hey, welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast. Dave Young here. Steve Semple is is here as well. And just a few seconds ago, Steve told me we're going to be talking about Bird's Eye. Bird's Eye, the, the frozen food company from my childhood. Pretty sure they've been around that long. Oh, they've been around that long because, you know, you do have gray hair and all, but they've been, uh-huh. <laughs> they've been around that long. They were, they were founded in 1922, Dave. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, so I'm going to put the pieces together based on them being founded in 1922. And what made Bird's Eye? Bird's Eye. And I'm going to take a wild guess. You ready? I'm ready. I think they had something to do with the either the invention or the popularization of frozen food. A bit of both, actually. Okay. So well done. Well right. done. Just going by the time, I mean, you know, there was no air conditioning or refrigeration to, to speak of before that time. Yeah, there you go. You put together the pieces nicely. Thanks for joining us. And that's, uh... <laughs> that's it, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting, the evolution of this company, because it was founded in 1922 by Clarence Birdseye. Really? That was his name? That was his name, Clarence Birdseye. Oh, I'm glad. Okay. <laughs> and in 1929, so seven years later, Clarence sold Birdseye to Post Consumer Brands for $23.5 million in 1929. Gosh, I hope he kept it through the crash. It turns out that he did. Um, He got a pre-crash and he did very well. He also stayed on with the company, stayed on with post-consumer brands for a salary of $50,000 a year, which was a big deal. In the 30s, right? 23 million in the bank and 50 grand a year. He's doing okay. And what makes him famous is he really was the inventor of the modern method of doing frozen food. And today, frozen food is a $220 billion a year industry. And when he passed away at the age of 69, he had 168 patents to his name. No kidding. 168 patents. Yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. Now, he's also, Dave... He's our type of guy. A few years before his death, a reporter at the American Magazine asked him sort of like, what's the secret to your success? And he said, and this is quote, when I arrive in a strange city, I go through the local industrial plants to see how they make things. I don't care what the product is. I'm as interested in the manufacture of chewing gum as of steel. Nice. 
They would just let him wander into a factory and see. I guess. But what I liked is this whole idea that when he's somewhere strange, he just will always look around at things. And when Clarence Birdseye was young, he spent lots of his time trying to figure out how to make money off of the world around him. So at 10, he noticed a ton of muskrats in a nearby field. And he wrote the local zoo to see if they were interested in having some muskrats. And they said, sure. So he ended up trapping them and selling them to the zoo for a buck a piece. Okay. I don't know. You could get away with that today. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> 20s, right? He later did this with frogs and made 100 bucks. And by age 11, he launched a taxidermy school and even placed an ad for students in the magazine. Now, can you imagine the surprise? Well, he's teaching when taxidermy when he's 11? At 11. Could you imagine the surprise when you sign up for a course? I know you're being taught by an 11-year-old. <laughs> All right. Now, now I'm a little worried that he went into frozen foods. <laughs> <laughs> so once he was old enough, he enrolled in Amherst College in Massachusetts, but his family kind of fell on some challenges, so he had to drop out. So he joined the U.S. Biology Survey. And this took him to the American Southwest, where he developed another side hustle, selling coyote pelts to New Yorkers at a 60% profit margin. So he kept doing these things. But then in the spring of 1912, Birdseye was moved to Labrador. So Wait, I'm trying to think of where Labrador is. is. That is that Canada? That's Canada. Okay. And it's a fairly northern part of Canada. So if you basically take a look at the northern part of Canada on the east coast, that's basically where Labrador is. Like it's basically as far north as Newfoundland. If you go to Newfoundland okay. and go left, you hit Labrador. So cold. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we were wondering why he came up with frozen food because all his food was frozen. <laughs> there you go. Because when he was in Labrador, he started capturing silver foxes first for breeding and later for furs. He made six grand in profit doing that. Here's where things became interesting. While in Labrador, Birdseye became fascinated with food preservation, especially how the Inuit did it. Okay. Because what he would notice is that as soon as a fish was pulled out from under the ice, it would immediately freeze like mid-flip. Like it's mm. minus 40 degree Fahrenheit, and the fish would come out and freeze instantly. This fish would then be packed in the snow outdoors, and what bird's eye noticed was, when you thawed it, it was perfectly fresh, days, even weeks later. And back in the US, freezing food was nowhere as good. It was terrible, in fact. The process at the time was to freeze food slowly over a period of days just below the freezing point. That was how yeah. food was frozen. And when fruit is frozen this way, it's grainy and gross and frankly unhealthy. It was so bad. Here's how bad that food was. It was so bad it was banned from being served in New York State prisons. When it's not good enough to be served in a prison, it's pretty bad, right? Especially oh, in man. a prison yeah. in 1910, right? So in 1917, he returns to the United States and he's working with the U.S. Fisheries Association and the goal was to find a better way to get fish to the market in better condition. And freezing was one of the things being studied. And here's what Birdseye observed. When flash frozen, the ice crystals are tiny. When frozen mm -hmm. slowly, the ice crystals are large. And that's what basically makes for the better preservation of food. So Clarence Birdseye then struggled to recreate flash freezing in the conditions he saw in Labrador. So in 1922, he left the association to figure this out. He raised 20 grand, mm -hmm. rented a warehouse, and started studying the problem full time. As you said, at this time, there wasn't air conditioners. There wasn't portable freezing. Like, this would have been a big 
challenge in 1922. And he spent two years on this, and he tried a bunch of things, ran out of cash. Hmm. He then moved to a fishing town in Gloucester, Massachusetts, raised more money. This time he raised $375,000, and he launched General Seafood company. It was kind of smart, smart place to go to raise money for freezing fish, right? Hey, you guys catch fish. You need a better way to get the market. Let me help you, right? You seem to have a lot of fish laying around. You seem to have a lot of fish yeah. laying around and I'm going to help you get it to market. So he launched General Seafood Company and he soon had a breakthrough. And what he figured out was by placing food inside two inch thick insulated cartons and pressing them between hollowed out metal that's cooled to minus 25 degrees Fahrenheit, he found he could flash freeze the content. Okay. He then figured out how to swap the metal plates for chilled belts. This allowed rapid production. So basically, you put the oh, fish yeah. on his belt, it would go through. This method was dubbed the multi-plate freezing. Bird's eye's invention was ahead of its time, but it also caused a bunch of new challenges. Although bird's eye solved the frozen food problem, America didn't have the infrastructure to distribute it. Trains didn't have freezer cards Warehouses weren't quite cold enough, and retailers had no way to stock it. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was kind of on the bleeding edge of technology, because by 1927, he now had a ton of frozen food, but with nowhere to go. He was stuck, but he got lucky, because in 1928, the storefront freezer was invented. Stay tuned, we're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Hey Rick, how's it going? Okay, fine. <laughs> that doesn't sound okay. Well, what is it? My business. What about it? You probably wouldn't understand. Hit me. Well, you know I love it. But? My revenues have flatlined and I'm not growing anymore. Okay. Well, it's frustrating and depressing and it was so much better when we were growing. Oh, I bet it was. And nothing I've tried has moved the needle. What about talking to Steven? Steven who? You know, the guy that hosts this podcast. Really? You think he could help? I hear he runs a paid-for-performance marketing agency. I wonder how that works. Why don't you ask him? How? Book one of those free starter sessions on the podcast website. I don't know. You can't say you've tried everything. If you don't try this. You're right. I might even learn something. I bet you do. Thanks, man. Let's go grab a bite. Yeah, sounds good. Right after you call Steven. Okay, okay. Book your starter session on this podcast website. Just visit theempirebuilderspodcast.com and click on Get Started. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. What he also noticed was it was a new piece of technology, so there was resistance by the stores to buy it. So he went out and bought the machines and installed them all over grocery stores in the East. So that he could put his product in them. So he could put his product in it. And within two years, he had 27 products. So he expanded the products beyond fish, including peas and other vegetables. And then along comes 1929, and he's handed $23.5 million, plus a nice salary and a job. You know what's cool too, is they kept the name. They didn't just roll him into the, uh, who bought him? General Foods? Post-consumer brands. The big food conglomerates, and they kept the bird's eye name on it. That's a nice gesture as well. Yeah. And what I found really interesting, and again, it's a lesson that we see over and over again. Look, he was a really industrious guy. Like, he did all sorts of things like this. Like, at 11, offering a tax derby school, <laughs> which is, to me, just hilarious. But he observed somewhere else. Something somewhere else. So while in Labrador, he observed, wow, when this fish is frozen this way, it's delicious. How can I make that happen? And basically pursued that objective. And it's amazing how often 
this is where these innovations come from. He, he wasn't in the food industry. He wasn't in the grocery industry. He wasn't in the distribution industry. He was a guy who worked for the fisheries industry and noticed, wow, when fish is frozen this way, look how delicious it is. I'm going to figure out how to do that. And just his natural curiosity, making the pivot to, we can freeze a fish between these two plates. A lot of people would say, well, we just need more big frozen plates, right? Great Instead, observation. he decides, no, we need a conveyor belt made out of frozen plates that we can just keep putting fish through. That is a fantastic, fantastic observation. Yeah. So just his natural curiosity. I mean, th this, this comes back to just being somebody that's really good at the problem topology mapping, as we like yes. to call it, right? Yeah. Somebody solved this problem somewhere else. Somebody else solved a food packaging problem that required a moving conveyor belt. You know, the Inuit solved the problem of, hey, how do we, how do we enjoy a frozen fish after it's thawed out again? All of a sudden, uh, your peanut butter's in my chocolate. Yeah, I don't know are. where the, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> and the other thing is, he also did get a little bit lucky because he was on the bleeding edge of technology because he solved like the frozen fish problem before there was a distribution. But he also acted quickly. He didn't wait for freezers to be purchased. Like once he oh, noticed, no, yeah. holy smokes, those are available. I'll just buy them and put them in the stores. You know, lots of other people will be like, well, let's educate the stores on it. And while that would have eventually definitely occurred, that could have taken yeah. many more years. Well, he recognized that he's in the food business, not the freezer business. Yes. Yes. Right. He's not in the grocer freezer business. And so if grocers don't have that, man, that's a big hill to climb to just like assemble a sales force to go out and sell freezers to people so that you can sell them food. Another great observation, Dave, when you said he saw himself as being in the frozen food business, it could have been easy for him to see himself in the frozen fish business. But within two years, he had 27 products that included, you know, vegetables and things along that line. Oh, so yeah. he definitely saw himself in the frozen food business and that shaped much of what he did and what a change you know you think about the time before frozen food and the time after frozen food it would just be seasonal right you want peas and carrots eat them when they're in season yeah exactly or canned or canned <laughs> yeah yeah yuck <laughs> canned peas yeah uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but we, you know, uh, you and I grew up with our moms pulling out the, uh, the little frozen package of bird's eye peas or broccoli, uh, all the different things that came. I, I remember that, like they were little, like little cardboard bricks. Yeah, absolutely. What really caught my attention was this whole idea of his nature of observing somewhere else. And, you know, given that he created so many other patents and the quote with American Magazine, it was in his DNA that he would go and look at things outside of his place, outside of his industry, and look for ideas that he could apply. And that is often the pathway to success, not looking around inside yeah. your industry or inside your city, but looking somewhere else. I'm glad to know the story of Clarence Birdseye. I hope one of those patents was for a better muskrat trap. You never know. <laughs> you know who knows? <laughs> How cool would that be? Thank you for sharing the story of, of Clarence Birdseye, Stephen. All right. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast.com.